reasons. Some just don't believe in God anymore. Uh, Some wrestle with what the Bible has to say. Some find this whole church thing just a bit of an inconvenience. I'd rather be doing something else on a Sunday. But most people I found walk away not because the love that they feel from God is deficient, but because the love they receive from others is. Because nobody knows their name. Because no one has invited them over for a meal. Because no one noticed that they hadn't been around for weeks on weeks. Because they were going through something and no one stopped by to care for them or to pray. And perhaps you're that person here right now. Uh, You're feeling that way, thinking this may be the very last time I come to church because no one even knows that I'm here. And so you might, like some of these people in this show, take that offer and just head anywhere because anywhere is better than here. Well, in Romans 12, Paul begins uh, that chapter by telling this church community in Rome that in view of God's incredible mercy to present themselves to God as living sacrifices, to allow God to transform them, both individually and together as a community. He says that because they have the very Spirit of God inside them, they don't need to conform any longer to the ways of this world, but they can be completely renewed. He then goes on to remind this and every church community that they are members of one body, the body of Christ, that we all belong together. Then in Romans chapter 12, verse 9, we find this weird statement. Have a look at your Bibles if you have Romans 12 still open, verse 9. Our NIV translations of the text reads this. Love must be sincere. It reads like that so that it's more intelligible to us. But the, in the original Greek text, it simply says, the love sincere. That's what it says. The love sincere. Uh, that unlike instructions that come after this sentence, um, there are no commands here. Rather, those three little words, the love sincere, function as a heading for what Paul is going to say next in the, in the next couple of verses. So he turns his gaze to the church community and says that because you are being transformed by Christ and because you are members of one body, let me tell you what it looks like to have sincere love for one another, real love. Love that is not hypocritical, not fake, but deep and lasting and tangible. In other words, Paul lays out here what a church looks like where nobody is tempted to just pack it up and walk away. And he gives 11 rapid-fire instructions in these four little verses on how we can demonstrate real, sincere love for one another, the type of love that makes people want to stick around, uh, the, type of lo- that, the type of real love that prevents you from taking any offer and packing up and leaving. But uh, of those 11 instructions, I'm going to spend our time today zooming in on just two of them uh, in particular. Two ideas that Paul communicates to summarize what this whole section is about. Two ways that we as a church community can practice real, sincere love that makes you and I, and this gathering that we do together, a sticky gathering that people, makes people want to stay. So let's look at the end of our section here. Uh, verse 13, let's begin at the end. Let me read this very long and understandably different, difficult second half of verse 13 for you. It's really hard to get, 
All right? It says this. Practice hospitality. It's really hard, I know, to understand what that means. Right? It's, it's a really long and drawn-out sentence. Practice hospitality. Paul's grand solution to seeing people walk away from the church are contained in two little words here. Practice hospitality. Um, something about this instruction, he implies, means people will want to stick around. But why? What's so important about practicing hospitality? Well, the word hospitality in the Greek language is made up of two separate uh, Greek words. The word philo, which means love, uh, and the word xenos, which means foreigner or stranger. If you combine those two words together, it literally means to make strangers into friends. To make strangers into friends. And the word uh, translated as practice is the word diokontes, which means to chase after to pursue, to not let get away. The relationships that we have in our church community, Paul says, ought to look like a bunch of people chasing after strangers in order to make them friends. Imagine that. I mean, Kieran was up here earlier saying that if uh, there's someone that you don't know, you should hug them. Uh, And he says, oh, maybe not that. Just say hi. That's a little awkward. But that's really kind of what Paul's getting after. This idea that we we should be chasing after people to make strangers our friends. It seems a bit weird, but hang on for a second. That it's actually abnormal for us to gather together like this, to sing, to pray, to worship, to hear from God's word, but then contentedly walk away from that space, not having learned everyone's names and heard everyone's stories. That's really abnormal for our church to be like that. He says it's not normal to sit in the same spot that you sit in, next to your same friends that you talk to every week, and then walk away feeling like you've experienced church at its best. That's not really church at its best. But rather real sincere love that is sticky, that keeps people coming back for more, is a church where when we gather and see a few people that we don't really know, that we... We walk away uh, from this place with those people as our friends, that friends that we didn't have before. Real, sincere, sincere, sticky churches contain people who make strangers into friends. Drop down to verse 10 with me. Uh, in our NIV translations, this is another thing that Paul says uh, creates a sticky church where people want to stick around. Uh, it says, be devoted to one another in love. Uh, that seems simple enough. Just like practice hospitality. It's not, it's not something that's foreign. Um, but the original Greek uh, translation is actually much more dynamic. Uh, what he says here, uh, let me just translate it literally for you. It says, in or with friendship love, love one another as family. Uh, with friendship love, Love one another as family. Uh, Paul, again, uses two Greek words for love here. The first one is the word Philadelphia, which means brotherly love or friendship love. Um, It's the type of love that you share with your best mates. Uh, Love that is chosen, not inherited. Love that is freely given and received. Uh, C.S. Lewis speaks of this love this way. He says, friendship is born at the moment when one man says to another, what? What? You too? I thought nobody else but myself. 
That's sort of the love that he's talking about, that you see in someone else, and you thought you were the only one, but now you realize you're not, and you share something in common, and it's freely given and freely received and chosen. You probably share this sort of love with your best friends, with people that know everything about you, and they still choose to hang out with you, right? I mean, that's what real love is. And it's the same word that Paul uses in verse 13, where he tells us to practice hospitality, to love strangers so that they become friends. But then Paul uses another word here. It's the word philostorgoi. That's a fun word to say. You can just say that. Like, you just walk away from church. If you never learn anything, you can say philostorgoi. It's pretty fun. Just try it out sometime. It's a word that Paul literally made up. Like, there's no other, this is not found in the Bible anywhere else, nor is it found in any other Greek text that we have at all. He, Paul just made it up. Isn't that fun? If I'm a pastor, I'm just going to start making up words too, right? That's what Paul does. He makes up a word. It's quite cool. The word philostorgoi is made up of two separate words. Uh, the word love and the word family. The word love and the word family. A different translation of this verse might read this way. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ like family. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ like family. What does he mean? Well, I have lots of mates that I care for and love. Um, But with these friends, I see them when I'm with them, and we share life together when we're together. But when we separate and go to our random homes and our random lives, then we don't share life together. We're not still in contact until we get together again. Sometimes our lives cross over and we're more involved in each other's spaces, but not to the degree that my family is with me. Some of you know what I'm talking about. My daughter doesn't need to knock on the front door before I let her in. I just let her in, right? She just comes in, whether I want her to or not, right? Uh, My wife doesn't ask me politely if she can get up and get a glass of water. She just gets up and does it. Right? If you were at my house, you'd probably say, Hey, Travis, can I get a glass of water? Like, my wife just, she doesn't ask. She just does it. Or rather, she makes me do it for her. Right? That's, that's what she does. My kids don't look at the food stuck uh, between my teeth and decide to, politely decide not to say anything. They yell very loudly to anyone within earshot that Daddy has a big, nasty piece of black thing stuck in his gums. Right? That's, that's what family does. They get in each other's spaces. There's a difference between friendship love, uh, which happens when we're with one another, but not necessarily felt when we're apart, and family love, which is always present, uh, walking in on you when you're sitting on the toilet, right? That's, that's what family love does. I'm not indicating you should do that for other people, but that's what, that's what family love is like. Just You're in each other's space. It interrupts. It barges in. It doesn't leave you alone. And Paul here is telling us that Polite chats at deck time should only be the start of how we love one another, but it shouldn't end there. That I ought to make people feel so loved that they can walk in my door without knocking and tell me that I've got gunk in my teeth and hold me when I cry and pay for me to go see Star Wars with them, knowing that I'll pay for them to go see the next Black Widow movie that's coming out in May with not any of that awkward, no, you can't pay for me. No, I'm going to pay. No, you can't pay. That's silly. Why do we do that? We shouldn't. Paul says that's not what family looks like. It just is there. It's present. Both types of demonstrating, 
of demonstrating both types of love is important and necessary. So earlier, Paul says, to make strangers friends. And here, he tells the church to make friends family. It's this progression of relationships that he describes that ought to be the norm and not the exception within the church community. That those we know, we ought to seek ways to care for in even deeper and more meaningful ways. And those that we don't, we ought to invite over and learn their names and hear their stories so that strangers can become friends. A church where people don't take the next best offer to pack it up and leave is a church where each individual seeks to make strangers friends and friends family. It sounds beautiful, doesn't it? I mean, I want a church like that. But then I realize that I'm a parent with three kids living on the northern beaches. I'm extremely time poor. And maybe you feel the same way. You might feel the same way as a uni student or a full-time worker or a retiree who has found retirement more busy than you were when you were actually working, right? This, this happens to many of us. Most of us already have so much stuff happening that we can't even give quality time that we want to our own family sometimes or to see our best mates as much as we want to. So then how do, we, how do you expect us to find the time and energy to make strangers friends and to make friends family? Like, seriously, how do we do that? Well, that's a question I don't know how to answer for you, um, other than to say one thing. Uh, current research tells us that despite how much stuff we have going on, how many accounts that we have across social media platforms, how many texts get sent out and received, many people uh, feel more lonely and disconnected and less well-known than ever. One out of every three Australians say they feel lonely three or more days during the week. One in five Australians feel they never or rarely have anyone to turn to for help. One in three Aussies say they don't have a group of friends. One in four say they don't have anyone who cares about them at all. Those are pretty overwhelming statistics when you think about it. And the sad part is that those numbers are just as true for many of us within the church. Yet at the same time, all of us are really very busy, aren't we? we we've always got somewhere to go, something going on, some work to do, some assignment that's due, some text we need to send, some, uh, some feed that we need to check. But hasn't, it hasn't occurred to most of us that maybe the things that we spend our time doing are actually contributing to our loneliness and isolation. Maybe being in a rush and taking our kids to soccer and violin lessons and swim practice and watching Netflix when we get home because we're too tired to do anything else and wasting time on Instagram are the very things that make us feel that no one knows us or cares about what's going on in our lives. Maybe the solution for us is to stop some of the things that we're doing and simply have a conversation with someone. To invite someone over for a meal. To welcome someone you don't know and invite them out for a coffee. To make time during a weeknight to attend a community group where you can share and be listened to. Maybe the very thing that we're looking for, being known and cared for, has been under our nose the whole time. You can simply look around and see a swarm of others uh, who are longing for that same connection that you are. 
And when you make time to do that, we become a sticky church. Well, I don't simply want to implore you as individuals to practice hospitality and to make friends family. Um, We're not simply happy to say, well, all of you should love one another well, and so that everybody feels Jesus' love and don't walk away and leave it all behind. You should all go do that. We hope the best of luck to you um, and hope it all works out. I'm not happy saying that because I will walk away from hearing a passage like this and I'll say, yeah, that's true. I want to do this. I want to be a person who cares deeply for strangers, who is more hospitable, who turns friends into family. I want to do that. But then I'll walk away and I'll struggle to know how to actually do this. And then I'll just get trapped in my normal routine and forget all about it. And maybe you're just like me in that regard. And so we want to be intentional at how we welcome and care for one another and show hospitality to one another, which is why we're doing, we've done a couple of things over the past few months that you've heard about. Um, we've launched our, our welcome team and our MBC care team. Uh, there are quarterly training events that we are running that you can come to uh, in order to be equipped on how to do these sorts of things better how to welcome better, how to care for people better, whether you're part of these teams officially or you just want to show up and learn that for yourself. We've also started doing coffees before the service. Maybe Many of you have taken part and come early and grabbed a coffee and socialized with people. Uh, we are trying to have monthly breakfast or lunches before or after the service um, to have more purposeful times with, that we gather and longer times to engage one another and have Um, koinonia, this idea of sharing time around a table. But one thing that has been requested by many of you that we're going to bring back is an event called Brunches and Lunches. Um, This is an event where some people put up their hand where they say, I want to uh, host a small group of people at my home just for one day. And others might say, I'd love to come to someone's house and meet others and share stories and learn names. A meal is shared, and often those people become friends and family. Um, We like to do this a couple times during the year, and we're going to start next month uh, with the first brunches and lunches happening the 17th of November. Uh, I'm going to pass these around to you. Maddie, if you can grab those and pass those around. Um, These are sign-up sheets where you, if you're interested, you can write your name down that you'd like to host a group of people at your house uh, and prepare a meal for them. Uh, Or maybe you'd like to um, make this opportunity to put... Paul's instructions into practice to say, I I want to spend time learning people's names and being hospitable and making strangers friends and friends family. Um, And if you, like me, wish you were more hospitable, but you're not, uh, well, here's a golden opportunity for you to say, well, I'm going to just go to someone else's house. I'm going to receive their hospitality in their open house, and I'm going to hang out with other people and share a meal, and that's great too. To just say, I'd love to come and be a part of a group. Um, And so you can just tick, I'd like to host, I'd like to attend, or maybe both. That would be fantastic. And we will put you in a group. And if you are too scared to come alone, that's okay. We'll make sure that you're paired with someone that you know and love. Um, And we would love for everyone at NBC to be part of this event. Um, And so please put your name and details down, and we'll get it arranged over the next couple weeks. And it's just a simple thing that you can do, that we all can do, to to learn more about one another and go deeper with one another. There's many ways that we can keep doing this. You don't have to come to brunches and lunches or be part of the welcome team or be part of the NBC care team or whatever. You can, and those are fantastic things to do. 
but you can simply just get up and walk across the room and do that right now. We have a God who made strangers friends and invites us in as family. And Paul says that we look most like Jesus when we turn and do this for others. And when we make strangers friends and friends family, we become a people, a gathering where everyone wants to stick around. And I realize that there are dozens of reasons why you might want to just pack it up and leave, whether it's right now or maybe sometime in the future. But the solution for us is simple. Be a person who pursues the thought of making strangers friends and friends family. Let me pray. Jesus, we just want to thank you that you demonstrated these truths that we just learned about to the ultimate degree, where you left uh, your home to come to earth to make people who were not interested in God uh, strangers into your friends, to invite them to come and be a part of what you're doing, to learn about them, to care for them, to hear their stories and help them to, to become more like you. And then you invite friends to become family. That as we believe in you, um, you invite us to be adopted as, uh, as children of God, heirs to the throne. What a wonderful privilege that we have. And then, as we've just heard about from Romans 12, you invite us to do those things for others. That as we look around our church community, that we should not be content just to come, sing some songs, pray some prayers, hear from your word, and then walk away um, and feeling like we've experienced church at its best then. But God, we're, we feel filled up when we experience these things for ourselves, when we seek to make strangers friends and friends family. So we pray that you'd help us to put these truths into practice. Even if we don't know how, even if we're scared, even if we don't know where to start, we thank you for opportunities uh, to do that. And we pray that we would be a church where every person um, can get up where they are, take a look around, learn someone's name, shake someone's hand, give someone a hug, and share stories. Because when we do that, we become a sticky church, a church that looks more like you. And that's a church that I want to be a part of. So help us all. Uh, to do that, to follow your example, and to be people that look like you. Thank you for these amazing truths, and uh, we pray that you just be with us as we go out um, to our homes, to our work, to our unis, to wherever we go this week. And uh, Lord, you would help us to continue to more, look more and more like your son. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.